Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's up, family? Welcome to Speak. It's about to be an incredible show. Remember, volume's up, remote down. Stay for a while. I'm Emmanuel Acho, the one and only Dave Hellman. That is the brilliant Joy Taylor and 12-year NFL vet, including a Super Bowl. Will Blackman, don't you leave me hanging or we will fight. Thank you, sir. That's Thank twice. You. That's twice. That's twice. I got to talk about the game last night. It was another dominant performance by the 49ers. But what was my grand revelation? The Niners are the most dangerous team in the NFL. Now, don't get it confused. I did not say best. That's still the Philadelphia Eagles. But they are the most dangerous because their highs are higher than anybody else. They're the most dangerous because of D'Amico Ryans, the most dangerous defensive mind in all of ball. My former teammate, a star-studded middle linebacker, but now he's a brilliant mind as a defensive coordinator, allowing only 15 points per game. But most importantly, you're dangerous because of the freakazoids you have on a squad. See, dangerous is dependent upon how great can your greats play. And these dudes have George Kittle, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and lastly, Abosa. If you have those kind of freakazoids, then your highs can simply be higher than every other team. When you think about teams like the Buccaneers, they got some guys, Mike Evans, uh, Tom Brady. When you think about the teams like the Bengals, they got some freaks. The Eagles, even the Eagles, they got plenty of freaks. But the Niners have more than them all. The most dangerous team in ball. Let me head to the desk to weigh the opinions of these other brilliant and beautiful minds. Joy Taylor, you are up. First, good to see you, Joy. You too. I mean, it's always good to see you, but particularly on this Friday. Um, are the 49ers the most dangerous team in the NFC? Most dangerous. Most dangerous. Danger. No, they're not. I love the 49ers. I'm on board. I'm on the bandwagon, guys. Finally. All it right. took a while. It took, took eight weeks. It took a little weeks. while. I need it. I need it. Eight weeks? They stopped yes. dropping weird games they shouldn't drop. Thank you, good Dave. <laughs> Thank you. They got on track, and then I needed to see a little bit from Brock Purdy, which he has delivered. But most dangerous, you keep talking about this stuff on paper, mm-hmm. but, like, we have actual results. We do. We have results, which are 12-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. No doubt about now, it. I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. We love fun, new, exciting things. And the Niners have, as of recent, because mm-hmm. they didn't do this all season long. They did not. Got on track. They're playing great. They're explosive football, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Christian McCaffrey is doing his Christian McCaffrey thing. Brock Purdy's come out of nowhere, Mr. Irrelevant, having the season in a moment of a lifetime. I love all of it. Who did the Philadelphia Eagles almost hang 50 on this week, Dave Hellman? The New York Football Giants. They sure did. Wow, thank you for answering that for me. 48 points. The New York Football Giants. That happens a few days ago. What did they do the week before that? Uh, Titans, 35-10. Put it on them badly. Boring. Boring. (laughs) Boring. Yawn. That's nothing. (laughs) What are we talking about here? We so we do this all the time. And listen, I don't mean to disrespect the 49ers, who I don't think are very, very far behind the You said boring. Very, they are the most dangerous team because they've done it all season long. They just whooped on the New York football giants, almost hung 50 on them. And we are more excited about what happened last night. I get it. It's new. It's fun. It's exciting. But let's not disrespect the team that's been doing this. All season long. So here's why I think the Eagles are the best, Will Blackman. I don't think they're the most dangerous, but I think they're the best. I think they are the best because the Eagles' lows are still higher than another team's lows. When I think about it in track and field, I think track and field is the purest of all sports. When you want to talk about maybe the best 100-meter runners, if you want to talk women, you have names like Shelly Ann Frazier-Price. When you talk about the most dangerous Better mention Shakari Richardson. Most dangerous. Better mention Flo Joe. But when I think about best, I think about how consistent are you? How many great performance do you, performances do you put up? When I say dangerous, oh, how high are your highs? Yeah, I keep touching that suit. You're going to be all right. <laughs> Will, are the, 49ers, are, the 49ers, are the 49ers the most dangerous team in the NFC? I absolutely think they are the most dangerous at the end of the day because it's the defense. It's the physical aspect of defense. And it's just how they're doing it. You know, and also, too, let's look at offense. I think overall, like, they're beating you up on every single phase of the game. The offensive line, absolutely demolishing people. We talked in production, like, body on a body, right? Linebackers can get anywhere. Out in the the end, on the edge, with the secondary, the defensive backs, I mean, 
the highlights they were showing, these guys were sticky on coverage. And if you got the ball, they were coming up and were knocking you out. Running the ball. McCaffrey is running. Scott Free getting right to the second level. So overall, I just think they are the most dangerous just how they're playing. And the, the, 49, the, uh, the game versus the Buccaneers, I mean, speaking of blowouts, like that was – I did Ooh. not expect that to happen to that team at this yeah. point in, in this season. Sure. So um, I definitely think they're the most dangerous beyond scare. I thought they were the most dangerous even before, um, you know, what's his name? Garoppolo got injured. Yep. So I know. What's his it's name? Already. Because, hey, <laughs> I'm already. I moved on. Brock Purdy <laughs> season. Well, and I, we mentioned Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the irony for this. Like, if the Niners, like, everything else about them is terrifying, dangerous, scary. Their defense is must-see TV. Honestly, for my money, a unit in the NFL that I want to watch, it's like Patrick Mahomes, and whatever offense he's on, and the <laughs> Niners' defense. Like, that's it. Like, I get excited when the Niners punt because I get to watch their <laughs> defense play. But dangerous? What's the most important and dangerous position in the NFL? It's quarterback, right? Yeah. And so that that's my hang-up, I guess. And, and Brock Purdy's playing great, right? But, like, we're, we're grading him on a curve, aren't we? I mean, like, it's funny. Agreed. It's yes, funny how are. terror, like, it's funny how we're talking about the Niners like they're these world beaters. They scored 21 points last night. Like, it wasn't this just juggernaut performance like we've seen the Eagles do and the, the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of green on that side. A lot of green on that side hey, today. I, I'll, I'll bring up the Cowboys as well. you saw the juggernaut last week from the Niners. Sure. I, you saw that. They are a crazy good team, but I have seen what it looks like when a team with a hot talented quarterback can basically do whatever it wants. We've seen it from the Eagles. We've seen it from the Cowboys at times this year. That's not a silly thing to say. No. We're a couple weeks removed from the Cowboys scoring 33 points in a quarter. Mm. That's dangerous. Mm-hmm. That is dangerous. So I'm very impressed with the Niners, and, and I, I really don't want to say anything inflammatory about them because I know how this goes. They do it every year, right? Like, <laughs> I don't want to bet against them making a run, but I, I can't go all the way. Joy, where the way do you there. stand in regards to what Dave had to say? I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's accurate. Now, we've spent the past few days arguing about how, you know, basic Jalen Hurts is and how amazing the team is around <laughs> him. So I think for some people, they would say that that's incorrect, that Jalen Hurts isn't better than Brock Purdy, which is, of course, an outrageous that's, and irrational thing to say. Yet it will happen. It will, it will be said. It's in the, it might happen today. With the Twitter it, fingers. It, it, uh, Jordan, it might happen today. Jordan. <laughs> She's just making up stuff. Somebody said he was. No, no it's going to happen. Do, we, do you want to bet? How much do you want to bet? And I took that personally. Oh. <laughs> yes, I didn't take it personally. Jalen Hurts has done it all season long. I, I, listen, it, it's, you're absolutely right. The 49ers defense is generational. We haven't found a nickname for them yet, so I guess we should probably get working on that because this, this unit looks like something. They, you said it in the meeting. They look like they're playing a different game. Sometimes you get this in college where, where Georgia's defense last year. Yeah. You're like, the, that is a different sport than what is being played by everyone right. else in this field right now. And that's really hard to do particularly at the NFL level. But the most important position is quarterback. Yep, for sure. And whether people are going to try and argue this, because Micah kind of already started it, Jalen Hurts is better than Brock Purdy. Absolutely. Now, in one game, if they match up in the NFC Championship game, how it will go, we will find out. But that's not an, I don't feel like that's an outrageous That game, would if 49ers won that game, it wouldn't tell. It wouldn't change my mind. No, no. Yeah, let, me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you something and hopefully change my mind. What year did you win the Super Bowl? 2011. 2011 with what team? New York Giants. New York Giants. Who were the star-studded players on that team? It was Eli. Yep. Victor Cruz. Yep. Akeem Nix. Yep. Ari Manningham. Yep. A defense. Give me, go defense for me. Uh, we got Osinia Miura. Yep. Uh, Matthias Kiwanuka. Yep. Uh, and Charol. Fair. When you think <laughs> about uh, – the, re- the reason I ask is because when I think about danger and most dangerous teams, I always think about who has the – most best players. How many guys do you look on their squad and you go, Oh, yeah, we oh, had JPP. How many guys do you look on Jason Pierre-Paul? How many guys do you look on that squad and you go, Oh, they're one of one. I remember playing the Seahawks in 2013. I said, Oh, they got Richard Sherman. Oh, they got an Earl Thomas. Is that a Cam Chancellor? A Marshawn Lynch? Like, they, they just got one of one guys. Now, we came there with our LaShawn McCoys and our Jason Peters and our Deshaun Jacksons, but they had more one-on-one guys than we did. When I think about this Niners team, the reason they're just so dangerous to me and the most dangerous team in football is because you can't make Nick Bosa's. Nick Bosa's just like you are graced with. Fred Warner's. 
uh, Trent Williams's, Christian McCaffrey's, George Kittle's. The Niners have so many one-of-one talents that if those one-of-one talents decide to go crazy, Debo Samuel, there's really nothing you can do to stop it. George Kittle had a 54-yard touchdown reception yesterday by a tight end, one-on-one. I do not think there's a tight end in football who could have gone 54. And don't say Travis Kelsey. He's the greatest catching tight end I will say Travis ever. Kelsey. I think Kelsey, Kelsey. Kelsey. Kelsey would have got caught. Personally. No way. He, he has shown that he can catch Kelsey screens and take it like 80. All the time. Sure. I, I personally think Kelsey would have got caught. Why? You got, just go to, you got an iPad. Go to YouTube. I do. I'll, right go there, I'll, go there, I'll go there in a second. But when I think about one-on-one dudes, the Niners have so many of them, Will. That's why I'm like, oh. Okay, go ahead. That's why I'm like. But this is why, like, and it's, it's going to sound like I'm slandering the Niners, and I'm, I'm not. But this is why I bring up the Eagles, because we are getting excited about the Niners, which they are exciting. But, like, they're the only talented team. They're the only team now with one-of-one guys. With that many, yes. And that, to me, is a different. Every, every team except, honestly, the Houston Texans, I would say, has one-on-one guys. And you could argue Pierce is starting to become that they're running back. But they are the only team with that many one of one. Guy. I'd rather you say playmakers because one on one, one of one is is, is pretty extreme. Extreme, That's a very but, high yeah. Price. But but playmakers to me doesn't do enough justice because there are a lot of play. They're the only team with. I call them freakazoids. You can call them playmakers. You can call them whatevers. But there's an elite category of like, oh, every, every team has about two, and they got about at six. The, at the end of the day, for this team, the reason why they do well is every time they handle adversity, those playmakers or one on one guys they step up. They, they take the burden and they're like, hey, we got it. We're going to handle it. Actually, I think Kittle said it on the, his last interview. He was like, look, anytime something happens, one of our playmakers have to do like, yeah, more. Yeah. That post have, game. To go, have to go above and beyond. And I think right now across the entire league, when adversity hits this team, they did it the best. That's why they're able to, you know, Be push there every year. Exactly. But also, isn't that the other, like, the other part of it? And it's what Joy and I are saying is like, okay, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of, how, you know, five, six, seven like, all pro-caliber players. How about that? Like, Fair. Okay. Yes, all pro-talent. They have probably more than anyone in the league, especially since the whole Rams roster's hurt right now. But the, a team like the Eagles, maybe you give up some quality, but you have depth, including at the quarterback spot, which is very important, as comes to find out. And that's, that's really bad. Let me ask you this, Dave, before we take it to break. If the Eagles played their best and the Niners played their best, who wins that game, in your opinion? I, I wouldn't feel good about picking that game, but I would pick the Eagles because they have a quarterback who has proven across 13 weeks that he's among the league's best this year. We'll take that it's game. The Eagles. I don't if they play it. their best, it is the Eagles. Fair. Oh, coming up, the Cowboys winning, but Dak Prescott is struggling. His turnovers have been grabbing headlines. He's really only struggling in one department, but it's the most important department in football. Can the star quarterback for the Cowboys, $160 million quarterback, fix those issues next on Speed? The Cowboys have won four straight games. That's what Dallas has done. But Dak Prescott's thrown five interceptions in that span. Dak said he's going to continue to be aggressive, but added, quote, I've got to stop throwing interceptions. Jerry Jones, $8 billion owner of the Cowboys, he chimed in. He's already said, hey, Dak Prescott needs to cut that down. Dave Hellman, you've covered the Cowboys for 10 years. You are very familiar with Dak Prescott. 10 years. He was there when Dak got drafted. Dave, I have some bad news for you. Okay. Dak's not going to stop throwing interceptions because this is now who Dak is. And it's not a fault. This is just a cost you have to pay when your quarterback's going to be a high-volume guy. A first impression is a lasting impression. Dak Prescott is a rookie, four-touchdown guy. But since then, 11 touchdowns, nine touchdowns, 13, 11 interceptions, nine interceptions, 13 interceptions. Look at it on the screen. His first year, he threw a pick every four games. Now he throws a pick every 1.4 games. So Dak's DNA is a higher interception guy. So Dave, I don't anticipate him fixing those issues because those issues aren't a character trait. Those issues are actually a part of his genetic structure as a quarterback in this day and age. But what do you say? I disagree very respectfully. I think <laughs> at least it's respectful. Yeah. It sounded too. It sounded real respectful. Yeah. Respectfully, I kindly disagree. <laughs> you you glossed over. Yeah. Okay. Well, every one point four games, but. Dak has proven he can be a volume passer and not be this careless with the ball. In 2019, Cowboys were not a good team. They went 8-8. Eight and eight. He threw for 4,900 yards. He was a yard away from setting the yardage rec- franchise yardage record. Mm-hmm. Had a 5,000-yard season yes, for all intents and purposes. He threw 11 picks in 16 games. 
That, that is a completely livable tally of picks when you are throwing for 5,000 yards. Your team's 8-8. Eight and eight, Your running game's not awesome. 600 attempts. 600 attempts. 11 picks. He can do this. That's what makes this so uncharacteristic. And that's the thing. I'm, I'm cool with picks. I mean, Dak threw 10 to a degree. To a degree. I was about to say. He threw 10 last year to 37. The problem is it's out of whack right now. And you can call it excuse-making if you want to. I don't think the personnel is up to snuff for how aggressive Dak wants to play. In 2019, he had Amari Cooper. That was a huge part of all of that. They had Randall Cobb that year. He kind of brought Randall Cobb's career back to life. He doesn't have that right now. He's got CeeDee Lamb, and that's why I'm, I'm hoping, I'll even say expecting, T.Y. Hilton, not going to be the guy that we remember from five, six, seven years ago. But if he can just... Honestly, I don't even need him to pile up stats. He needs to open the middle of the field up for everybody else. That is what Dak wants to do. He wants to throw it intermediate between the hashes. He's very good at it. He did it against the Texans last week, led them for a game-winning touchdown. But the turnover issue will be fixed. It will be fixed because the field is going to hopefully be a little bit more open. Dak has the resume that I trust him to get on top of this. Mm, well, Blackman, you got a lot of interceptions in your career. So I did you know not get like- a lot of interceptions in my career. <laughs> Can you let me boost you? I did not get a lot of they're not Googling, big dog. Just take the compliment. I don't want it. Just t- you, so you don't want to have gotten a lot of interceptions. I got a lot of fumble. Call, I, call, I caused a lot Nobody of fumbles. Nobody cares about uh, cause fumbles. Will? It's a turnover. I do. Yeah. I do, Will. My oh. brother has, like, the most. Well, he, was a defensive, he was a defensive lineman. Will's a, a defensive Which makes it even more impressive. Yeah. I'm not impressed. Peanut anyway. punch. <laughs> Will, do you expect Dak to fix his turnover issues? I expect him to attempt to fix it, but I don't think this is Dak being careless. I think this is him being aggressive. And you mentioned a good point in terms of him being aggressive, with, not with the right personnel. But I do like this Dak being aggressive because now he's taking he's not playing it safe. And that's I think that's been the issue in the past is like we expected more of him. We have seen him, like you said, throw for almost 5000 yards and for him to be aggressive. So I, I think that he'll attempt to fix it. But I do like him being aggressive. You he'll know? attempt to fix it. But will he fix it? I don't trying think it, to do something and doing something are two totally different things. Don't right. hesitate, will. There is no try. There's only no. do. There's do. Will he do it? <laughs> It's Yoda. It's Yoda. It's Yoda. Uh, no, he won't fix it. I, I think he will because Dave has the statistics that show that this actually isn't who he is. Like, this is not a part of his DNA. He actually can throw the ball a lot and not turn it over. Also, I'm confused. What do we want Dak Prescott to be? Do we want him to be aggressive or do we not want him to be aggressive? Some want him aggressive. I think we want. Like, not. what do we want? We want what do you Dak, want from me? We want One him to, minute, oh, it's Cooper Rush. Yeah. And they we, we want him to play like Cooper Rush, right? Like, he's got to play like Cooper Rush. He's got to be super conservative. He has to win every game and look great doing it. Okay. That's what he has to do. Okay, that's what Because he is. quarterbacks the Cowboys. True. That's not reasonable. I know. I know that. <laughs> okay. Welcome Jerry to life Jones with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, so like, let's just make up our minds. And, and for that matter, the Cowboys need to make up their minds. Because how they're going to play Dak Prescott is how they're going to go in the postseason. Like, we talked about it yesterday. Is he the biggest concern? Yes, he's the biggest concern because he's the quarterback. So they're going to go as he goes. And if he's turning the ball over at this rate because he's being forced or pressured or game planned to be more aggressive – and it's going to cause them games against better teams, then that needs to be adjusted. So that's why I think they will fix it, because if they want to win games, they have to fix it. He can't turn the ball like this, over like this at this rate against teams that are going to make you pay for it, which is what will happen in the postseason, which is really all the Dallas Cowboys should be concerned about, is how they're going to go in the postseason. I think the best version of Dak Prescott was rookie year Dak Prescott. And I can't wait to hear y'all's feedback on this. The Cowboys have the best defense they've had since Dak Prescott was in Dallas currently this year. The Cowboys have the most dangerous defense they've had because of their ability to not just force turnovers. Last year they were forcing crazy turnovers, but game-changing plays. Micah Parsons, sack, force fumble, Demarcus Lawrence, scoop and score. Cowboys have the most consistent run game outside of Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year because since then we know he's been on a decline. I don't need 5,000 passing yard Dak. The Dak Prescott I would prefer is the 23-touchdown, four-interception Dak Prescott. The Dak Prescott that had a .9 touchdown interception rate percentage, .9 interception percentage. That, to me, Dave, is the Dak Prescott that best serves this Cowboys team. When you look at the NFC, there is not a 2013 Broncos offense out there. There's not a 2020 Bucks offense out there. There's not a 2019 Chiefs offense out there. You do not need to put up 40 points a game. 
The Niners are a great offense. They're a great team. The Eagles, great offense, great team. Niners aren't scoring crazy points. You said it, 21 points yesterday. I don't need crazy Dak Prescott. I would rather conservative Dak Prescott, but am I crazy? That Dak Prescott is not coming back against the Texans that long drive at the end. No. God. I love you, Will. Great. I love you, Will. <laughs> Let me interrupt. I don't think the rookie year Dak Prescott would have been in that situation because that Dak Prescott threw two interceptions against the Texans. Rookie year Dak Prescott threw four interceptions in 16 games. Here's the thing, They though, wouldn't have been trailing. Don't, you, don't, you don't have to swing from one extreme to the other. Like, the 2019 Cowboys weren't very good. They were throwing the ball too much. That's not this team or last year's team. Like, this team runs the – that's their identity. They run the ball. Yeah. They right. just – you need a quarterback – who can dig you out of third and six, third and eight, third and ten, third and twelve? That is when I talk about like aggressive and having a quarterback who can make a difference. That is what I'm looking for. And that's why Lashawn and I get into so many arguments. <laughs> He's not shady because he, he ain't here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, shady. Hurry back, man. <laughs> He's uh, Lashawn. <laughs> but like that's that's the difference. And like Dak's not winging it around the the yard this year. Like, I, I don't. Off the top of my head, he like he doesn't he he certainly hasn't thrown for 400 yards. If he's got a 300 yard game, it ain't by a whole lot. Like he's doing the 280 no 300 yard game. Yeah, bingo. Like that's not what they're doing. He just the shots that he's taking are not paying out. And I think some of it is on his receivers. Some of it is his decision making. Particularly, I mean, the worst one of the year was Week One against Tampa Bay. Yep. It's just indefensible. But it's not, as Joy said, it's not in his DNA or who he is as a passer to be reckless. He does press from time to time. Right. But I, I trust all of that to balance out in the end. I mean, honestly, if we take away, and I'm, so, I'm sorry to keep doing this, if we take away tipped picks, he's probably down <laughs> four <laughs> on the year. Got to get those. Saying. Tips and overthrows. <laughs> Got to get those. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm just not worried about Joey, it. Joey, final thought, and then I'll take it home. Anything? No, I mean, you want your quarterback to be – a little fearless. Like, he's got to right. be able to pull the trigger in a big moment. You don't want him to be gun-shy. Uh, a lot of cowboy references here. But <laughs> you, know, you, you don't want to take away his confidence in that space and make it so conservative that he doesn't go for the big, for the big play in the big moments because that's what wins games, yep. situational football. But he, I, I trust that he will fix it because he, this is not really who he is. Now, whether it's a personnel thing or whether it's a scheme thing or whether it's, it is a mental thing, at the end of the day, He's got to adjust it, and they have to adjust whatever that is. Because going into the postseason, you're not going to be able to play like you played against the Texans. As impressive as it was that they came back, you're not going to be able to do that against right. a better team. Dak right. Prescott, way too many interceptions, but somebody with way too few. Jalen Hurts, only three on the year. That's best in the NFL. But coming up, the most fascinating conversation of the week. Why is Jalen Hurts' MVP candidacy being questioned? Why so many interesting thoughts. Here are don't go anywhere. Why indeed. Michael Parsons made headlines this week when he questioned star quarterback Jalen Hurts' MVP status. Now, we got more trouble. NFL analyst, former NFL quarterback Chris Sims, he's stirring the pot, saying Jalen Hurts is not more valuable to his team than Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, or Josh Allen. Adding, quote, if you put Gardner Minshew in the Eagles, they'd still be really good, close quote. <laughs> Yo, that laugh line by Chris Sims was just out of pocket. I was going to say, like, Josh Allen, laughing before you Patrick Mahomes, fair. Sure. Fair. Um, though the real question I've had to try to figure out, Joy, Will, Dave, is why in the world is Jalen Hurts not getting the credit he deserves? And I think the simplest answer is – Jalen Hurts' skill set, his greatest skill set, it doesn't occur between the whistles. To me, that's the simplest answer. When you think about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, their greatest skill sets, their ability to throw. Some throw on the run. Some just do miraculous underhand throws that go for touchdowns. But when you think of guys like Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, their greatest skill set you can't actually see with their eyes. It's their ability to make everybody around them better. Miles Sanders first thousand-yard rusher since 2014. A.J. Brown, first thousand-yard receiver since 2014. Offensive line, currently number one graded in all of football. Devontae Smith, likely to have a career year. Dallas Goddard, on par to a career year if he doesn't get hurt at tight end. So everybody around you is getting better. You have to assume the primary contributor must be pretty good. 
So I think that Jalen Hurts doesn't get credit because people are only looking at Jalen Hurts individually, not realizing that a rising tide floats all boats, and Jalen Hurts is causing the tide to rise at the greatest uh, expeditioncy. Will Blackman, what do you say, big dog? <laughs> and that was well done, by the way. You're, you're good at this. Um, See I, how I can take that compliment? <laughs> if I were you, I'd be like, yeah, you, you know, it was better than that. I'm but, actually not that good. I just say thank you and move on. Uh, that's, but that's a lie. Self-deprecating is Will's thing. Yeah. No, it's not. Anyhow. <laughs> anyhow. So. Why ain't Jalen Hurts getting the credit? Let's you you made a great point. Why, why it's being um, questioned is because of those exact things. It's, it's, it's what's in between the ears. If that was the case, I think Tom Brady should have like 10 MVPs. Yep. Right? Yep. Because he is, he is that outstanding. Jalen Hurts is on the best football team. He's on the most complete football team. And so I think a lot of that, people look at the things around him is why is it being questioned? Again, because of those things. But he is the MVP because he's doing the one thing that no one else is doing. Which he's is? playing perfect football. He's playing absolutely perfect football. And that's what's keeping him ahead of everyone. That is why the gap has widened. That's why he is the clear leader. Now, when you look at other teams, other players like Patrick Mahomes, why is he still right there? Why, why is it pretty close? Because he is... Athletically, he's doing everything on that team to make them successful. Sure. That's why Patrick Mahomes is there. But, however, he is also the reason why they do struggle a little bit. You know, he is throwing multiple interception games. If Mahomes throws multiple interceptions this next week, I think he's out of the race. Mm. And then, right, you mentioned Josh Allen in terms of what he's doing actually on the field, what, what you see what he is doing. But it is. It's in between the ears that – you can't put a number Let on. me play devil's advocate Don't. or Parsons' advocate, though the devil needs no advocate. Because what Michael Parsons did, and Joy brought this up yesterday, is, well, what about the Niners quarterbacks? What about Brock Purdy? Should Purdy be in the MVP conversation? If you look the last seven weeks, and we will throw it up so you, the viewer, can look with us. If you look the last seven weeks, and we'll look over your right shoulder, the Niners quarterbacks and the Eagles quarterbacks. 7-0 for the Niners, 6-1 for the Eagles. Completion percentage in favor of the Niners. Passing guards per game, 10 uh, points in favor of, 10 yards in favor of the Eagles. Touchdown interception ratio, 16-1 versus 13-1. Passer rating difference is negligible. Clearly, you do not have the difference of, I believe, 400 rushing yards on the screen. But, Will, when you look at that, Micah Parsons' point is, A, the Niners are so talented that their quarterbacks will ball. The Eagles are so talented that Jalen Hurts will ball. How would you refute what you just saw right there and say you can't make a comparison it's about Jalen Hurts the rushing yards and rushing TDs I mean that's those don't count those don't count no Uh, apparently they don't they don't right like that's how many rushing TDs does Jalen Hurts have 10 10 on a year can I can I I have a question go ahead sir I have a question um the graphic there it says since week eight Mm -hmm. the seasons (laughs) the seasons in week 15 Wow! How week one? How come not week one? Why do why do we just conveniently cut half the season off? Because that dude over there, he's been doing it since week one. Since week one, and he's like that dude over these there. Dudes. Just <laughs> these dudes over here. Oh, it's, it's, it's two. Neither <laughs> neither one of these dudes. Oh, it's two guys. It's two of them. Of the so that's even more of the argument that it's the Niners team and not the quarterback. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Is the team. Okay. Well, obviously, team. those those four hundred yards and those rushing touchdowns do in fact count. No doubt. They do count. And I would also push back on the, the mental part of it because Burrow is certainly a leader of men, gets compared to Tom Brady, and he gets all the credit in the world. So it's not just that Jalen Hurts' best quality is that he's a leader because other leaders get credit for being leaders. Joe Burrow's in the MVP conversation and no one's barking about it. Is anyone having a panic attack about Joe Burrow being in the MVP conversation? No. Would we argue that him being a leader and a winner is his best quality? No yes. doubt. Mm-hmm. Baby, he's baby Brady. So that can't be it. Because Jalen Hurts is getting major pushback about being in the MVP conversation, and that's his best quality. So then what is it in your mind? He's a dual-threat quarterback. We just did it. When you're a dual-threat quarterback, it's always about this section of your game that can somehow be marginalized that doesn't count towards the statistics because you're supposed to throw the ball. But the problem is, with these assessments, is Jalen Hurts also does throw the ball. He does have games where he's thrown for over 300 yards this year. He does have a very high passer rating. He does have those statistics in the passing game, and he can also run the ball. Using the argument that he shouldn't be the MVP because he has a good team around him is its not only illegitimate, it's almost unprecedented. Think of the actual players, the quarterbacks who have won the MVP with bad teams around them. Who are they? You could argue Cam Newton, right? 
bad yeah, team? Yeah, it depends how you define bad. bad but are you saying bad offense or bad team? Bad team. Because oh, everyone no, nobody. Is, well, everyone is saying nobody. The Panthers went 15 and 1. They weren't a bad team. Thank you. They're 12 and 1. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are anymore. I can't keep up. Don't turn on me, please. I agree with you. Just in my line of argument. My line of argument. The point is why is it an indictment? Of the hardest position, the position that we give all the credit to and put all the pressure on and draft the highest and pay the most, why isn't an indictment of leading a good team throughout the season consistently from week one to now having top five statistics in all kinds of categories that it's a good team around you? All, almost all quarterbacks who have won MVPs have won with good teams around True. them. True. What's an MVP that dragged a legitimately bad team through the, through the season to the one. playoffs? No. So, so why is it Jalen Hurts' fault? Because the, I think the issue people are saying is that this team will be good regardless. That's okay, okay but, but, but let, let, let's lower. That, 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 that's the they're problem. Great. That's the problem they're I great, have with right. that, that Gardner Minshew statement. Other, aside no, from the I, fact no, that's that a different story. The Gardner Minshew. Very disrespectful to what Jalen Hurts has done this year and the numbers deal. that he's putting up. It's, it is disrespectful. The Philadelphia Eagles aren't good. They're great. They're the best team in the NFL. They have one loss. They're great. I do think what's fascinating is this. And Will, correct. I was like, I'm not Micah. I didn't say it. <laughs> the way line, Joe was leading. Line of sight. I yeah, think yeah. what's fascinating. Oh, yeah, line of argument. There you go. There you go. Always got it. Always got it for everybody. I think what's right fascinating now. is this. And um, we'll be conscious of who is in the room. I think what's fascinating <laughs> is when you think about special, right? And as a defender, I look at the tape sometimes, not when not now, but when I was playing, and I'm like, yo, this dude is special. Lamar Jackson, dual threat dude. When you watch him, he's special. Patrick Mahomes, when you see him, yo, he's special. Aaron Rodgers, special. I mean, like, freakazoid type plays that nobody else can make. When you look at Jalen Hurts, do you see that? Because in my mind, when I look at Jalen Hurts, the reason I say his greatest attribute is his leadership, I don't look at Jalen Hurts and say, man, he's got a top three arm. When I look at Jalen Hurts, I don't say, man, he's a top three runner. But when I look at Jalen Hurts, I'm like, yo, he's on the best team. I don't think he's a top three runner. Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, and probably Josh Allen. Now, so when I say I don't – Careful who's in the room. (laughs) (laughs) So when when I think about it, I don't go like, oh, man, anything I see is special. What is special is the things I don't see. But is that a ludicrous statement? You've seen a lot of tape in your life. You study defenders for offenders for a living. No, it's it's not a ludicrous statement because – I was on record the other day just watching Jalen Hurts, and I'm, I'm just so impressed because he has that one quality that very few, not just quarterbacks, very few NFL players have, and he is unbothered. Like, you, you cannot move him. You cannot shake him. Like, mentally, he is so in control. He's playing zen football right now, and that is very, very hard. It's, first of all, it's hard to keep winning. It's hard to keep playing really good football. It's hard to keep playing perfect football. And for him to already – have that team in the grasp of his hands. Like, they, they look at, they watch and look at him, and he, they follow him. Is that hurting him, though? The fact that when you look at Jalen Hurts, he doesn't jump off the tape like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen, like Justin Herbert. Does that hurt him? It doesn't hurt him because, for me, he's, in, he's number one. He's in the lead right now. You got two people talking about why he shouldn't be MVP, but I think the overall consensus believe that he is the MVP leader. I'm glad you phrased it that way, and I'm not directing this at you, but my answer to the question is that people are lazy. And people fall back on their priors. That's what they do. And what is, what is Jalen Hurts? He's a second-round pick. It was weird where he was drafted. Everybody was like, well, what's he going to do? Carson Wentz is already the guy there. We got to watch him for a year and a half. It wasn't all that impressive. And so you look at year three, the Eagles add some talent, and people are lazy. Like, if you're not watching the games, if you're not taking a hard look at it, you're like, oh, he's better because everybody around him is better. And now look at guys that have won the MVP in the past. Patrick Mahomes comes in, video game numbers. This was a guy that the Chiefs traded all the way up from 27 to 10 to draft. <laughs> That's how talented this guy was. Even Lamar Jackson, dual threat quarterback, first round pick who won the Heisman Trophy. We expect that stuff. We fall back on our priors. We're like, I saw Mahomes do this in college. He's legit. He just needed the right coach. Never mind the fact that the Chiefs were loaded. They were already a really good team when he got there. They had Kelsey and Hill. You fall back on your priors. You're like, I saw that dude score 70 points on the reg in college. I saw Lamar put people in the blender every week, week after week. It's easier to believe that those guys are good. People are less willing to say that a second-round pick who had to transfer schools because Tua Tungavailoa took his job, it's harder for them to buy that he could really be that good. But all you have to do 
is watch him play. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the league. I don't think that's true. I think he is having a very, very special season, and any success you attribute to the Eagles has to come along with how well that he's playing. That's just the fact. I think it has to start with how well he's playing. That's fine. However you, you want to phrase it. You don't have to be the best quarterback in the league to win the We've MVP. said that before. You That's don't. That's never been the case. It's not what the award is. It's, we shouldn't even have to say it. Like Matt Ryan won an MVP. You think he was the best quarterback in the league, or did he have an MVP season? That you year, don't have to have be the best year. quarterback in yeah, the league. That's what she's saying. Right. You would have, there's still other guys you would have argued for. The year strongly. Ryan won MVP. Ooh, Brady got suspended the first four games. No, that was the year before. Year before? You would have taken Brady. You would have taken Rodgers. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. 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 I, don't, I disagree with, with Hertz also not looking special. He looks special to me. He's throwing the ball over the top to me. He's running all over defenses to me. His, his, his numbers certainly look impressive to me. Do we, do we need to go down the, the – No, they're, yeah, well, we do, yeah, there they are. Oh, there they're great. Number it, one in passer rating, fourth in completion percentage, shy for second in I passing know and rushing touchdowns. People get hesitant. First in interceptions. People get hesitant when I bring up the Cowboys and Eagles together. But, like, I saw all this stuff with Dak. Dak was a fourth-round pick. And, I mean, Dak's never – Dak but was – you don't think Dak is special either. No, but that's the – but, like, but people, again, like, they fall back on what they know about. It. Like, well, how good can you really be if he's a fourth-round pick? And you're not paying attention to the work that's being done. Let me ask one final question. We said that the Eagles' record is not good. It's great. I think we also, though, have to say the Eagles team is not good. They're great. So I, I agree with Joy. I agree with you, Dave, when we say no quarterback has won an MVP with a bad team. But this isn't just like a good team. This is like a elite cream of the crop. You don't see teams like this maybe once every 10 years, top to bottom, do you see a team this Good. I think that is also a big part of it. Because when you think about the Atlanta Falcons the year that Matt Ryan won MVP, their best player, I believe, was Deion Jones, linebacker. Best offensive player, obviously, was Julio Jones. After that, it got a little shaky. When you think about Cam Newton when he won, Greg Olson led the team in receiving yards, and he was a tight end. Defense, they have some dogs, primarily Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis. When you think about when Tom Brady won outside of the year with Randy Moss offensively, he was really making guys great. But when you think about this Eagles team, offense, defense, top three, top three they are a great team I think that also is what's hurting Jalen Hurts so much because it's not like the Eagles team is good this Eagles team is significantly better than all teams except the San Francisco 49ers from a roster standpoint Jalen's also willing to win in whatever way they need him to win like we've that that's what it is if they need him to throw less and they're going to run more he's going to do that if he has to throw he'll do that it's not about a, a statistic that he needs to, to reach over them winning. So that also hurts him. But I, I don't think it's fair to just say that the Eagles are the, the, the greatest team. We just did a segment like a few minutes ago where the Niners were considered the better roster with more it guys. So they're not even considered the best roster in the league this year. And some people would argue the Cowboys have a better roster than the Eagles. Some people, Dave, some people argue that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Oh, I was like, you wouldn't. I'm not no. making this yeah. up, guys. I, I do this for a living. I read other stuff. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. Like I'm, people, they're, they're, there's arguments about if the Philadelphia Eagles even have the best roster in the league. I put it: the, the Eagles were not the slam dunk best team in the league heading into this going season. Into, thank you. But remember, all. I would say going into the season, the conversation was if Jalen Hurts was as good. Jalen Hurts is a limiting reactant. I remember yes. you and I had that conversation. Yes. So that's why I'm so impressed by roster. what he's done. Correct. They wouldn't. They are a Super Bowl favorite, and they wouldn't be if he wasn't playing great. No, they would be because Gardner Minshew could be out. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sunday on Fox, all eyes, and I mean all eyes around the globe, will turn to an epic World Cup final. It's the moment we've been waiting for. Messi leads the juggernaut Argentina into a star-studded matchup with the reigning champs, France. Coverage begins. Sunday, 9 Eastern, right here, Fox, Fox Sports Sap. People will be waking up early here in America. Dave Hellman, I know you will be, yes, sir. Yes, I will. Look, if, you, if you're not America, if you're not riding with the goat in this game, I hope you parlay Francais. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, this is the last trophy that Leo Messi doesn't have. This is the last one. It's going to be great. If he wins the World Cup, there's no debate. It's like Brady with the Super Bowls. Like, if he wins this... There's no debating that he's the best to ever play. Let's go, Messi. I'm excited. How long did it take you to write that joke? I did it during the break. In no, my head. I, I'm talented, bro. You Thank speak you. French? Thank you. I took French in high school. Je prie français. Oh, uh, okay, I'm from Louisiana. Okay, 
Louisiana, bro. Oh, Come on now. Forget that part. Uh, Come on. You four years? Five. You guys even let him finish. Ooh. <laughs> it's been, okay. He said one more time. It's been a long time. <laughs> Don't ask me to say a whole lot else because it's been a long time. Oh, I love you. We are so weak. Fuck it. Oh, we're way too easily entertained. Oh, well, speaking of not entertaining at all, how about the Jets and Zach Wilson? He was not good, and that's why he got benched. But guess what? He's back in the starting lineup. Remember, they benched him for Mike White. They didn't even have him as the number two on the team. He was the third on the depth chart. But now, he's going to be starting this week because Mike White not cleared with the rib injury. I hate what the Jets have been doing at the quarterback position. Jets, you're in a Big Apple. You're in New York with the whole world watching, and you can't figure out your quarterback position. But it's like the head coach is playing without a head. Like, where is the logic in the decision-making? How can you go from a number one to a number three, and then back to a number one, but the number two didn't get hurt. Somebody got to make it make sense. Zach Wilson was the starter, and then he went to third string behind Mike White and Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is still healthy, but Zach Wilson has now jumped Joe Flacco and is back to being the starter. It truly is an irrational thought. I never liked benching Zach Wilson. The reason I didn't like benching Zach Wilson is because, coaches, are you doing this for the locker room? The locker room can't save your job. You doing this for your defense? Your defense can't save your job. That quarterback can save your job, though. So I never liked the decision to begin with. But, Will, do you like how the Jets are handling Zach Wilson? I do like the decision. I do like the fact that they benched him because they had to. He was playing that bad. The fact that Salah was on record saying that he was not doing the little things properly. It wasn't, it wasn't the fact that he was out there being too aggressive, making mistakes. He, he couldn't even throw the ball away. He was throwing it away, and they were picks. Like, if you can't throw it up, he was on the right side, on the right sideline, and threw it in to the left. Cause he's, and he said, I was trying to throw it away. So the fact that he wasn't doing the little things necessary, the basic stuff, when you have an outstanding defense, he needed to sit down. He needed to go into timeout. And I feel like with Zach Wilson, he needed to, he needed to go through some adversity. Okay. You know, he needed to just sit there and learn and see, what, and see what's going on. And so I wasn't mad with this. I don't think there's no issue. Um, I am disappointed Mike White is not playing. But I also see that I like the fact that, yeah, they put him back in, didn't put Joe Flacco in. Like, I have no issues with how they handled this whole entire situation. Joy, where do you stand on how they're handling it? Uh, anarchy. I love it. It's great for us. I mean, I don't want to be participating in this if I'm a Jets fan. I think it's <laughs> But what are they supposed to do? Remember how bad Zach Wilson was? It was mm-hmm. bad. How bad was it? It was really bad. Bad, bad. Bad, bad. bad, bad. Bad, to, bad. They lost again, ten to three. And then oh, that's right. You weren't here for the bad, bad day. Yeah, I was there for the bad, 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 bad day. Bad. That's yeah, right. That's right. Bad, bad. Okay. And then he got up in front of the whole world and said it wasn't his fault. There's more to being a franchise quarterback than just playing. Like you have to be a leader. I don't think Robert Sala had a choice because, again, I don't believe that he made this decision off of some whim or one bad game. You don't get benched off of one bad game. You don't. Mm-mm. Not when you're that guy. Not when they spent that draft pick on you. Right. He had to get approval from the owner. He had to have a conversation with the GM. I'm sure the rest of the locker room did want this to happen. And we saw that because they were wearing Mike White shirts the next week. We, we love Mike White. That's not what it said. But. No. Oh, there they are. <laughs> there they, are. Yeah. they said something different. That doesn't happen if you think that that guy is your franchise The next week they the wore those week. shirts. <laughs> they had those ready. They printed them. Yes, they, they printed them quick. Like, oh, this is hot on... So I, I, don't, I don't know that they really had a choice. Now, again, I don't think this is conventional. I don't know that I've ever seen it before. And I don't know that it will work out. But I don't think that they had a choice. You know what this is reminding me of? And I don't know why it took me so long to realize this. This is reminding me of the 2020 Eagles quarterback situation. Now, I don't know that the owner of the Jets and the GM of the Jets told Robert Sala to, to, to bench him. I just because I wasn't there. But what I do know is how the Eagles situation played out. Carson Wentz playing bad. Guess that knock Doug Peterson does on his door. Hey, maybe we need to play Jalen Hurts. Doug Peterson's like, why would I do that? And then there's a whole bunch of this, a whole bunch of that. Next thing you know, Doug Peterson gone and Carson Wentz is gone. Dave, when I look at it, I don't know that this situation is helping Zach Wilson. I don't think it's helping Robert Sala. And I don't think it's helping the Jets. That is why I don't like how they're handling it. I don't think that's a fair comparison just because the Eagles had made Carson Wentz their guy. We talked about Jalen Hurts in the last segment. That's why it was kind of weird when he got drafted because you were like, 
Wait, but you just gave Carson mm-hmm. Wentz like $100 million. Isn't that equivalent to drafting a guy number two or no, three overall? No, because – and it sounds weird in retrospect because Jalen's playing so great and Carson Wentz is not playing at all. But, you like, it, there, there was an established order there. There's no established order here. Zach Wilson, he might have been taken high, but he hasn't earned anything. Like, the organization has not committed to him beyond, hey, we got to find out if you can play. And that's what's happening right now. They benched him, which, by the way – he fell to three on the depth chart because you can't bench a guy to send a message and then put him in uniform and run the risk that two plays into the game, he gets his job back. That's not the point. You got to put him on the sideline. So that's not weird to me. And now Mike White is hurt. It's not even Mike White's fault, but so Mike White is hurt. He would keep playing if he wasn't. The Jets would keep playing him because he's playing well and giving them a chance to win. They're playing better on offense. So who gives them a better chance to win, Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco? But here's the thing. No. No, no. What's the thing? This, mat- this matters. If all things are equal and the guy that you would prefer start is hurt, now you say, guy drafted in 08? who is not under contract next year and hasn't played his best football in a long, long time, or number two overall pick, right. who we still aren't sure is good at football. Right. Who should get these reps? Who, what is more important to us? Because the, the guy you would rather start is already hurt. So that's the guy that gives you the best chance to win can't play. So that's a different conversation. Hey, it's, it's the, no, it's, it's the same conversation. If, if, if Robert Sala's North Star is I am going to play the guy that gives me the best chance to win, then I'll always follow your North Star. I don't think that was a North right, Star. Right, because they're not in that situation right now. They're not trying to find the best guy to give him a chance to win. I think what are they trying to do? I don't think the Jets – coming into the season, thought they'd be in this position where they can be super competitive. So right now, Coach Sala's like, okay, I got a legit defense, so I need to figure out my quarterback situation now. I got to know, okay, Joe Flacco's not going to be our guy for the future. You mentioned he's not under contract. Mike White is hurt, but he was playing good football, and I got my number two pick overall. I'm still, I still have tons of questions about, so I need to figure this out right now. Are so, they trying so to it doesn't make win? So it doesn't make sense to – they're still trying to win, but it doesn't make sense for their future to put in Joe Flacco – right now when they still have a healthy Zach Wilson who this Joe trying to figure out is he our guy also, for the future Zach Wilson was what 5 and 2 5 and 2 as a when starter they, yeah. when they benched him mm-hmm. so Zach Wilson has won games this year correct several of them right so it's not it's not that outlandish that they would go with him anyway as the best option to win games. They just thought he this needed to reset. This actually worked out yeah. perfectly. They needed him to reset. Yeah. That's, it that's really all did. It it's worked out perfectly because the best case scenario for getting Zach Wilson back on the field in a way that you didn't look completely ridiculous would be for right. Mike White to get hurt. They didn't have to make an executive decision. Right. Because right. obviously you're not going to play Joe Flacco so, at this point. So does Zach Wilson give them the best chance to win right now? It's not just about that, that's, though, see, right now. Two things like, can the, be true. Yeah, it's not that You don't simple. have to choose. That's the job of a front office. And... Robert Sala's done a good enough job. Like, I, I would assume his job's not in any danger. Like, they – I, I – is not. I don't think it is. I don't, I don't think it is. And so you have to say, yes, we want to make the playoffs. We want to be a wild card team and break that drought. I think it's at 10 years, 12 years at this point. But we also have to know if this guy can be our quarterback or if we need to return to that well. And, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's so out there. Would like you, you got him out there if Mike White doesn't get hurt? Because what I'm confused about is this. If Robert Sala cared that much to know if Zach Wilson was the guy, then why did you bench him for three games as opposed to just one? If Robert Sala wanted to play the guy who gives him the best chance to win, then why wouldn't you play the guy that gives him the best chance to win? I'm confused with Robert Sala's logic. Number why one, put in Mike White and not Joe Flacco? Because Mike White gives them the best chance to win. Over Joe. Correct. I, th- I believe, based on what Robert Sala has done, Mike White, Joe Flacco, Zach right, Wilson. Right, but that was also weeks ago. So this, the situation for the Jets at this point in the season has also changed. It's, at that point, they were like, we're about to fall out of playoff contention. This right. could get really bad and really ugly really quickly, and then we'll lose the locker room, and then it's a real disaster. And they still are. Right, but at least now we made a move that showed we're about winning around here. Let's not also absolve Zach Wilson for what put himself in this position. Yeah. This was Zach Wilson's doing, not Robert Sala. If Zach Wilson was being a leader, if Zach Wilson was doing the small things, if Zach Wilson was not getting up in front of the whole world and saying it wasn't his fault, which we all know, even if it wasn't your fault, you say it's your fault. That's why you're the guy. So this had to happen regardless. It's actually it's the best case scenario for the Jets. It is a complete nonsense show. I agree with you. But it, it ended up working out for them. Well, let me go to you. 
I personally think the Zach Wilson remarks were overblown, but you played 12 years in several different locker rooms. Sure. Jacksonville, Washington, New York, to name a few. If you were on a defense and your quarterback said that, would you want your quarterback to be benched? I, I, never, I never want anyone to lose their job. Like, that's just not my mentality. But what does not help is that you have a Trevor Lawrence interview out there about them playing so well. And he said he had to look back early in the year of how he put his team in bad situations, how he didn't play well, how he didn't want to have that feeling ever again, and now he's going to work hard to put his team in the best position. When you have lines out there like that, it's hard. And you do take notice of that. You do look like – like I mentioned the stuff that that stood out to me was throwing – like the careless interception. It's like, yo, we're playing lights out defense. Like, what's good? Like, we got to figure this situation out. So you do see that. But based on those comments, would you have been like, this dude needs to sit? No. Because I wouldn't have. Based on those comments, like, you do talk to you do talk to him. You do say something. But don't you think, and maybe I'm being conspiracy theorists here, but, like, there's more to it than that. You don't just wake up one day and then, like, this guy sucks benching. Like, there's... No, no it's, it's, it's over a, time. It's a slow trickle. Also, like, I, like I heard... Don't, well, just don't lose sight of the... Like, the, the Jets put this out for us. Like, we don't really have to guess. Go back and look at some of the comments coming out of that game. They lost to the Patriots. That's the game. 10-3. to 3. Garrett Wilson's in the locker room after that game saying, like, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep playing like this, getting play like this. Denzel Mims earlier in the year. Elijah Moore, guys, like... He had a Zach Wilson had a receiver say like I don't know he doesn't ever look at me he doesn't ever throw me the ball like this has been this had been stewing all year like the Jets made no effort to disguise it so that's why I don't hey, find it the, all the that thing surprising. is you can't you can't be not good and not liked at the same time like, yeah. like, <laughs> you gotta pick a struggle no, 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 seriously no, seriously you can't you can't be sorry. And unlike, pick one. <laughs> Coming up, another Brock Purdy start, another win for the 49ers. Currently the hottest team in football. But how wide is the gap between the 7-0 and Niners in their last seven games and the NFL's best Philadelphia Eagles? Got to hear about that next week. Don't go anywhere. The Niners are red hot. One again last night in Seattle. Brock Purdy, only his second start of his NFL career, and he balled once again. Two touchdown passes this week, three total touchdowns last week, doing his thing. The Niners, get this, they've already locked up their division, have solidified a playoff spot, and there are still three weeks left of football. It's great to be a Niners fan. Second best odds to win the NFC, according to Fox Bet Sportsbook. Trailing goalie. The Philadelphia Eagles. It's been a long time coming, but the Niners have finally arrived for the world to see. I don't think there's a gap between the Niners and the Eagles any longer. If there was a gap, I think D'Amico Ryans makes up for that gap. D'Amico Ryans, former Philadelphia Eagle, current defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think there is a gap between the Niners and the Eagles because I'm looking at how these teams are playing right now. The Niners have won seven straight Games with two different quarterbacks at home on the road on Thursday, on Sunday, on Sunday, on Monday. It does not matter where or when the Niners know how to get dubs. For me, it's all about what are you doing now? What have you done for me lately? How are you playing in this day and age? And the Niners are playing as good a football as anybody in football. There's always typically joy, Dave, Will, something that might happen to you in life over the course of a season that flips a switch for you, changes the trajectory of your life. When the Niners got smacked by the Chiefs, I believe that changed the trajectory of their season. When D'Amico Ryans and that defense allowed 44 points to be hung on them with the whole world watching, I think that woke them up, and that woke them up and jolted them into an equal standing with the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think there's a gap any longer. But, Joy, do you still believe that there's a gap between the Niners and the Eagles? Yeah. What did the, what did the Eagles do this weekend? They beat the Giants. Beat the Giants. Really well, badly. They almost put 50 up on the yes. Giants. What did yeah. they do the weekend before? Beat the Titans. What have we done for me? What have you done for me lately? Rolled over some playoff teams. That's what the Eagles did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Niners did as well. That's lately. Okay, so. They did the same thing. And then the Eagles have been doing that all season long? Mm-hmm. Or so a long time ago, a little bit ago, and lately the Eagles have been doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this. We argued the other day that there was a, a, a smaller gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles, which I adamantly disagreed with. True. I don't think that there is a big gap between the Niners and the Eagles. I think that they are at the top of the league. Obviously, the Eagles are the best team in the league. They have been all season long. It's not close. 
There's plenty of evidence of that. But the Niners are close. The difference for me is, and I know nobody thinks that because apparently Gardner Minshew could come in and the Eagles would be good. <laughs> but it's the quarterback position. And all due respect to Brock Purdy, who is flooring me. I mean, incredibly impressive what Brock Purdy is doing. We're probably not going to give him as much credit because the team around him is great. But to be able to come in and do what he's doing is incredible. Big Brock energy. I'm here for it. But the difference between Jalen Hurts, who should and probably will win an MVP this year, and Brock Purdy is significant. So if we're just going to ignore the most important position in the league and what he's done all season long, then they're equal. But I can't do that. Yeah, I mean, Joy took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I keep going back to. Brock Purdy will have made five starts when the playoffs get here. Jalen Hurts will be somewhere in the neighborhood of 30. He's already been in the playoffs. He's got, I mean, he's playing at an MVP level. More than anything, more than anything, I'm so impressed by the way that he doesn't put the ball in harm's way. Like, the, he doesn't turn the ball over. That is such Jalen a, or Brock? Jalen Hurts, yeah. sorry. Jalen Hurts. That is, that is such a valuable a- asset to have in the playoffs. So, really, I mean, put the roster side by side, excluding quarterback, I'll probably take the 49ers. That's like, I, I don't think there's a significant gap. But what you have when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts versus a guy who will be making his sixth start in the playoffs, that's hard to ignore. And you think about the fact as well, the Niners, I guess they could still get the two seed, mm-hmm. but you run the risk of having to go on Not the road. Yep. So, and meanwhile, as long as the Eagles don't collapse, you're talking about having home field advantage through the playoffs. We know how they play at the link. We know that Jalen Hurts doesn't turn the ball over. We know they have the best pass rush in the league right now. Like, that's a tough combination to beat. So... There's a gap. It's not huge, and it's mainly quarterback-driven, but I do think there's a gap. Yeah, there, there's not a gap, but, but there is a line. There's like a little line <laughs> in, 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 in between there. It's like I look at, look at the 49ers, and, and, and me, like when, when we were – my wife and I were house shopping. I'm a big – like I like turnkey, right? I want, mm-hmm. I want everything done. I don't want to remodel anything. But there was a situation where we had to like – you know, like a pipe burst, it's like, oh, like this is a new house. Like, why is this happening? You know, so we got to fix that. Or maybe something outside happened. We got to fix that. I look at the Niners team, and when Brock Purdy took over, this was a turnkey situation. You walk in, and everything's all good. And, right, this is – right now, there's not enough film. So we're still waiting for him to be in an adverse situation. Like, how would he handle that? I look at the Eagles, remodeled the whole thing. Everything's set. Foundation's good. They got the perfect person in there who can handle adversity, who's been through adversity, who lost his job in college and went to a new situation and ended up being a Heisman candidate, and then coming in, taking over for a situation where they didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. And so right now, I think there is, there is a, a line in there. It's not, it's not that massive, but I just right now, I think the Eagles are the best team, and 49ers are super close. So like the referee who has to pull out the note card? All Jeep's territory, yeah. The index card. <laughs> it's like that kind of line. Well, coming up, I'm picking the winner for every single game this weekend in only 100 seconds. Find out if I'm picking your team. And then we got to talk about this Bills-Dolphins game. It might be the game of the weekend. The Dolphins cannot afford to lose. That's next on Speak. Let's talk ball. Welcome back. The 49ers got week 15 rolling last night with the win in Seattle. But now it's time to look at the rest of the schedule. Give me 100 seconds. Put them on the clock. Let me pick the winners. On your marks, get set, let's roll. Vikings at the Colts. Jeff Saturday hasn't won a game since his first game. So this is an easy pick. Vikings get this one done. How about the Browns and the Ravens? There is no sign of Lamar Jackson, but there will still be a sign of a dub. Ravens get the W. Bills versus the Dolphins. I pray that the Dolphins bounce back, but it's going to be hard to bounce back in the snow. I do believe the Bills find a way to win this game. Eagles-Bears, we don't have to talk about this. Eagles get it done with ease by 17. Saints and the Falcons, an interesting game between bad and worse, but how about the Saints finding a way to win? Jets and the Lions, both teams desperately, and I mean desperately, need this game. Zach Wilson, he will struggle. Lions, Jared Goff, continue to roll. Steelers-Panthers, Sam Darnold has been doing it since he got back in the lineup. Shout out to you, Sam Darnold. Find a way to get it done. Cowboys-Jags, easy money. There have been distractions this week. I'm not worried about him. Michael Parsons, three sacks. Cowboys roll. Chiefs, Texans. Again, we don't have to waste time on this one. Chiefs, they win by 21. Cardinals, Broncos. Do I have to pick this game? He said I do. 
Okay, fine. Cardinals. Cardinals find a way to win. How about the Patriots and the Raiders? Raiders! I think their offense will be too much. Devontae Adams, he's getting informed. Titans, Chargers, Chargers. A huge win last week in my face. That's why they catch L this week. Bengals, Bucks, Bengals fighting Joe Burrow, takes down Tom Brady. Giants, Commanders, both of these teams have identical records, desperately need a win. Last time they tied, no tie this time. Commanders win, and lastly, Rams, Packers. I don't even know who's playing for the Rams. By, by Sunday, Will might be playing. Packers, they're going to get a dub. Packers. <laughs> I wish. Uh, I wish. Be. Yeah, I had to travel far. You the way they work with Baker Mayfield. I would love to play yeah, for the right now. You Most important game to me is the game between the Dolphins and the game between the Bills. Dolphins, Bills, it is a huge football game. Joy, what is at stake in this matchup? I think it's the Dolphins' legitimacy. I mean, you've lost two in a row, and you've looked bad in the two games that you've lost. And now, I, I don't go too crazy with the weather. The Bills also have to participate in the football game exactly, in the weather. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> They're Thank not, you. like, Very exempt much. from it. Now, we know it is a little different when you spend your time in the cold. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I have done my time. I'm not doing another winter, but I was a little tougher then. I'm soft now. I got my puffy coat on this very day here in Los Angeles since 50 degrees. So I understand that's going to be a factor. But for me, the Dolphins have been a good team all season long. We've given them a lot of praise. We've talked very highly about Tua. We've talked very highly about Mike McDaniel, that offense, how they've looked as a whole. And it was fair. So go back that up. There's no reason the Dolphins shouldn't go beat the Bills. You beat them earlier this season. I don't want to hear about the weather. I don't want to hear about the run game. I don't want to hear about none of it. The Dolphins need to win this game. And it gets very complicated for the Dolphins in the, in the rest of the season when you're talking about the playoffs if they don't. So this is a must-win game. You're a good team. Go in. Be a contrarian as usual. I actually I don't think the Dolphins need to win. It would definitely be nice. I just need to see them play well. Like, can we start there? Can we start with getting your offense back on track, having Tua look like a guy who belonged in the MVP conversation like that sounds silly to say and it's only been two weeks but that's how we felt about him three four weeks ago I mean and, and look bad draw right it's a bad draw trying to get this offense back on track right in this game. weather but hey Mike McDaniel was the run guru for the Niners we know they can run the ball find a way to make it work I just need them to look like a dangerous team push the bills score points play well a win would be great don't get me wrong but even if they lose, if they just look like the team that won so many games earlier, look like they've got answers for what defenses are doing to them, it'll make me feel a heck of a lot better about their chances to win the last three games. I'm going to tell you guys a little secret. For one who I was raised in Rhode Island. You're telling the world, by the way, because we're just on national nah, television. No, it's just us, man. So like, just I was us. raised in Rhode Island. I'm telling you a little secret. I went to Boston College, and I played football in Wisconsin, New York. I'll tell you right now about cold-weather teams. We don't like it either, <laughs> okay? It's cold for us, too. We don't like it either. So this whole narrative about cold, whatever it is, whatever, it is, it is what it is. But I think um, this game is important for Miami to gain respect in terms of what you're saying. Like, they don't need to win. They just need to fight, battle, make it a competitive football game. And especially after getting out physical by the 49ers and the Chargers, where you can just run the ball all over the place on this team. Uh, they have shown it on film. And so it's a matter for them to go up there and truly just fight this team, make it a close game, down to the wire. If they lose by two or three points, it is what it is. But um, they just can't go up there and get beat up. Yeah, I think what's at stake in this game is the Dolphins' reputation. I think there might be a thought process of, uh-oh, here we go again if they lose once again. Like, all of the greatness that happened for the Dolphins this season might quickly come to an end. But, Joy, you had a thought. Yeah, it's that. I told you about the Dolphins' dolphining. Now, you can't back out. You with us now. You're <laughs> on that right. bandwagon. Yeah, I ain't going to let you slip out the back door. You're stuck. All right? You got, you got to take care of these kids together. All Talking right? a lot about the Niners yeah, we, today. Yeah. All, all in the practice. We, we all, <laughs> practice. all right? All with the Warriors. All in the stands. You know all with the jerseys. So you ain't going nowhere. All right? And that's the problem because the Dolphins have had back-to-back -back winning seasons going into this year. Like, a lot happened with Brian Flores. A lot has gone on, and we've liked the transformation that two has had this year. But let's not act like they didn't win 10 games and nine games respectfully coming into the season. 
So to fall apart after going eight and three, having two around the MVP conversation, not having won every game that he started and finished to collapse at the end of the season will be a catastrophe considering the way that we have talked about them this year. It would be bad. And it's on the board if you lose this game because then you have Green Bay, albeit at home, so it's not another cold game, but you have Green Bay, and then you have two in-division games with teams that are trying to make the playoffs. Right. So they're not mailing it in. So this is, this is a very crucial game. You're not out of the playoff picture, but you can't just collapse and lose three games in a row at this point in the season and feel comfortable about everything that you've done this year. And if they miss the playoffs, oh, I don't want I'm not, to. I'm not taking myself to that space just yet. I, need, I'm, I don't want to sit next did. to Joy no. if the Dolphins don't make it's the not playoffs. Gonna be, it's not I do. Pleasant. It's not going to be pleasant. <laughs> uh, what's not pleasant, the news that's just come out of Denver. Russell Wilson is cleared to play. But he's not going to play. What kind of message is that sending in Denver? That's huge news. That's next on Speak. Welcome back. Interesting news out of Denver. And this is a little crazy. Nathaniel Hackett said Russell Wilson passed concussion protocol. Quote, with that being said, as an organization, we decided to give him another week to get ready so he's ready to go for the Los Angeles Rams. We informed him of of the decision. He is not happy with it. Will Blackman, what is your take on this? My take is if Russ ready to go, like I, I would put him out there. Like if he legit is ready to go, I think in this situation, perhaps Hackett is trying to see, is it me or is it Russ? Hmm. So if Russ is ready to go, you're not putting him out there. It looks like you're trying to see what can Brett Ripien do. That's what I see right now. Because right now, the, the whole season, we've been questioning, you know, okay, Russ has been playing well. What well, is it Russell? Okay, right now, Hackett, you know, he's, he's learning to be a head coach. He's not calling a good game. Is it Hackett? So right now, we're trying to find out, like, what's going on, who it is. So, I mean – I'm questioning everything right now. I think the Broncos are trying to protect their asset. That's what I think it comes down to for ding, me. Ding, ding, ding. Russell Wilson, a $250 million asset, quarter billion dollars. What you want to play him for? You're already eliminated from the playoffs. He's dinged up with a head injury. Remember what happened to the Rams earlier this season. Matthew Stafford got a concussion. He went back into the game after a week, excuse me, not the same game, and he gets concussed again. They shut him down for the season. What happened early in the season? Tua Tungavailoa gets a concussion, goes back into the game, finishes a game, plays on Thursday night, concussion in front of the entirety of the world. You have a $250 million asset, you have to protect it. It's already a sunk cost this season. Why would you want to jeopardize Russell Wilson's future? The wisest thing to do but he's playing is go next ahead week. and fit Russ. They say he's playing next week. I just think that's like when you tell your kids, oh, we're going to get ice cream after you do your homework. Oh, no, we're going to get ice cream after you. You better get him ice cream. You better get him ice cream. I ain't got kids. That's yeah, exactly. You're going to find out quick whenever that day comes. <laughs> I got myself ice cream last yeah. night. <laughs> I agree. But, I mean, even, even if he plays against the Rams, you're giving him – so by the time he plays, it'll have been two weeks since the initial injury. And I think – I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to say, like, I applaud the Broncos, but at the very least, you can avoid a situation like we saw with Tua. I mean, you clear protocol, but that doesn't necessarily put you out of harm's way. Obviously, there's a 100% chance of injury in football. I just think I'm, I'm with you. It's like, okay, the season's lost. You are our only hope of being relevant over the next four years. That contract is huge. So let's not take any undue risk. And, yeah, I, I do want to see if he winds up playing against the Rams, but I don't have a problem with this. What's the win in him being out there? He gets hurt right. further. You feel it's better done. that this the guy you're giving so much done. money to Did plays, I guess. see his head? He had a, <laughs> an, an egg on his head. It's not even just that he hit his head. Like he's, his, his head was clearly physically damaged. There's no win in getting out there. You're not competing for a playoff spot. You've seen enough of him this year to know he's struggling. I don't think that they're going to get some sort of illumination on what Brett Rippon and Nathaniel Hackett are, <laughs> but... What, what difference does it make? Right. Whether you win or lose this game, you were going to lose with Russ out there likely anyway because that's what you've done all season long. So you might as well at least protect him. Like you said, he's there for perpetuity. <laughs> so, so you might as well just make sure that he is healthy at the very least for next season. I don't know if they're going to shut him down for the rest of the season. I think he would probably. Would you? Uh, at this point with that injury, I probably would. I think we talked about it earlier in the season. It was probably a little bit too early. Now I probably would. Yeah, I'm shutting him down. I would have shut him down. I'm for sure shutting him down now. Broncos, count your losses, and hopefully by next year you can count some wins. That's it for us. Have a great weekend. Remember, NFL football tomorrow. We'll see you all next time. Peace.